Welcome to the Winner Takes All podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything competition, whether it be sports, reality competition, or who would win in a boxing match between Sabrina Carpenter and Olivia Rodrigo. If you're competing, we're talking about it. I'm your host, Kevin G, and I'm here as always with my co-host, CJ. CJ, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, and I think Sabrina Carpenter would win. I think so, too. I think so, too. I mean, she has the age on Olivia Rodrigo. Yep. And she has, they're both really small girls, though. Yeah, but Maya had that feistiness in Girl Meets World. Okay. So I think that's... Nene has some feistiness, too, on on High School Musical, the musical, the series. True, but here's the thing. When you are in musicals, you learn how to pull your punches because it's acting versus Maya's got that real-world anger from... She was the Sean. Yep. She was the Sean, so she had some, like, street toughness. Exactly. That Riley did not have. 100%. Do you know they're fighting over some, like... Floppy looking boy. I, how floppy is he though? Uh, he's just like a regular kid with some like stringy hair. He's like twenty year old kid with some stringy hair. Joshua Bassett is his name. So this is why these women need to unite because like that dude ain't shit. Well, I think uh, Sabrina even says in her song "Skin." She even says, "Uh, maybe we could look back if if we had met under different circumstances, we might be friends." And she says, "Maybe we could laugh about this later." Yeah. But uh, right now we fight. Right now we fight. Beef. Beef. Man, we just listened to Skin. We just listened to Skin. Yep. Banger. Skin's a banger. Yeah, so like, this all started on what, Tuesday with driver's license dropping? Tuesday or either last week. Either last week. In the last week, something like that. Yeah. This whole exchange made me realize I'm an old man now. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're like, the number one song streaming in the world right now is Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. And I'm like, who's that? Who is Olivia? See, I knew who Olivia Rodrigo was. It was funny because I saw that and they said, uh, I was remember listening to a podcast and they were like, Olivia Rodrigo and Joshua Bassett are beefing. And I was like, the kids from high school, the musical, the musical, the series? And like, I watched what? the pilot of that show and that was that. What? They're, they're fighting? And then it was like, yeah. And I was like, well, props to these kids because- She's 17 and she writes her own music. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if you knew this. On the show, each of them wrote at least one song, if not more, for the show. That sounds like outsourcing. No. Oh, for the company? For yes. The, for the, they're like, listen, you're going to star, but you're also going to write the music. No, this is like when a company says anything that you create while on the clock is ours, <laughs> ours. even though... They literally did nothing. That's what Disney just did to those kids. <laughs> well, the fact that the kids, so Olivia's getting, at the time, she's writing songs at 15, 16, and mm-hmm. getting them on the show. That's insane. That's And they're really good songs, too. Driver's License is a really good song. As, yeah. a, as, a, as a song. It wasn't for me. As a song, though, it was good. Lies, Lies, Lies is trash. It sounded like a generic Jonas Brothers song. Lies, 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 dude. But it's, if you if you guys don't know, check it out. Look on on your, the websites. Olivia Rodrigo, Josh Bassett, and Sabrina Carpenter. She's the most talented of the three. One hundred percent. Sabrina Carpenter. I see you, Maya. Anyway, let's. This week we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about the Chiefs and Bills. We're going to obviously cover the challenge. We're going to, of course, cover the Bachelor. But first. We're going to start off with baseball. Today, at the time of recording, Hank Aaron has passed away. Um, Hank Aaron was a very important figure to African-Americans in baseball and to African-Americans in baseball. Me and CJ were discussing before the show who 
other than Jackie Robinson, who was more important to the black experience in baseball? And I don't think arguably Willie Mays, but that's it. I think Hank Aaron is number two because he played at a time where like TV was real big. Because as big as Willie Mays was, and a lot of people think he's maybe the greatest baseball player of all time, him or Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron did it all on TV. And was he ever the best player in baseball? No, he just hit a lot of home runs for a very long time. But the home run record is the most hallowed record in baseball. And people think of that one. Well, that's not, that's, that's not just to say it's just home runs. I was watching... One of these shows on ESPN, I just keep ESPN on loop, as you know, in my house. Yep. It's just on loop. So before I saw, I was watching uh, ESPN and Max Kellerman on first take said that Hank Aaron would probably still be in the Hall of Fame without, if he had never hit a single home run because of his hit percentage or something like that. There was another hitting stat that he crushed, mm-hmm. that even he never crushed the ball. He was good. He was good. So... Hank Aaron, but as you know, he was a home run leader until Barry Bonds beat broke it. Same with Sosa Mark McGuire. Yep. He was a home run record holder for 30-something years, which is amazing. He played in a time when not a lot of black people were playing. He was getting hate mail, death threats, all these things constantly. Yet he was out there continuing to play. He's just important to, like I said, the the black experience, if you will. And he is the most important black baseball player, in my opinion, after Jackie Robinson. 100%. I think that, and this is, it's bad because you talk about baseball generationally, but it, amongst the black community and the U S in general, like baseball is always pointing to history and yeah, it's Jackie Robinson, obviously, for breaking the color barrier. Then you got Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Satchel Paige, and Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Are probably the five most important black baseball players. And I know Barry Bonds is very important, too, but he was such a polarizing figure that he didn't raise baseball in the consciousness the same way that those five did. Right. And... The hard part is that when you look at the heroes now for African-Americans in baseball, there's not really the same kind of love like there was back in the 60s and 70s because we're not really represented in baseball as much anymore. Yeah, like Mookie. Yeah. Who who else? Judge? Aaron Judge? Yeah. Who, Who else do we have? You don't have a whole lot. Like baseball is, and this isn't a bad thing, but baseball has become dominated by Latin American players, which is very good for that community. Yes, yes, yes. And baseball is dominated by white people. Yeah. And like you have quite a few Japanese players coming over and playing and Asian players coming over and playing because they come from Korea too. But there's not a lot of black people that play baseball anymore. And it's because they're getting priced out. And because it's not played at a, youth level in the black community you don't see black players play which is it's sad to see it's terrible because and it's it's bad because 
we talk so much about like as a country talk about representation and how you want to see people that look like you which makes it okay so if i were to have a child and i'm gonna be like you can be anything you can be a baseball player if i only got two people to point at that are stars in the sport how can i tell them that it you know it's it's much easier to sell to say you can be an nba player or you can be a football player than a baseball player yeah it, because there's just no one to point to but now Mookie Betts has won a World Series. Right. Aaron Judge is hitting home runs everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're marketable. They're on things. You see them in like television commercials and whatnot. At least Aaron Judge, you do. And not really Mookie, not yet. So hopefully you'll be able to see them and then be able to market it to them to be able to want to play better, you know? Right. But. Running through um, Hank Aaron's career, 25-time All-Star, World Series champion in 57, was a National League MVP, uh, won the Golden Glove Award three times, home run leader four times, batting champion two times, RBI leader four times. Man, this dude's career was just littered with accolades. Right. And he finished with 2,297 Career runs batted in, 6,856 career total bases, and he had 1,477 career extra base hits. <laughs> so we we remember him for the home run record with 755. So I'm looking at the active home run leaders right now. There's not anyone that has a decent shot at beating him. So of the active baseball players with home runs, uh, number one, Albert Pujols has 662. He's 40. We don't even know if he's going to play this year. Right. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is number two. He's 37. He has 487. He's not breaking it. Edwin Encarnacion, also 37. He has 424. Nelson Cruz is 39. He has 417. Nobody else has more than 400. It's, it's not getting touched. And then, like, if you want to talk about younger dudes who might have a shot, Mike Trout is 28 he has 302 uh freddie freeman he's 30 he has 240 and nolan arredondo is 29 he has 235 all of those dudes are gonna have to hit 40 home runs for 10 plus years to catch him that's crazy well on top of that hits he had 3771 hits he's number three in all-time hits yeah all-time Every single one of those guys are Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. except for Pete Rose, which is dumb, but that's, that's something we could talk about later. Right. But all those other guys are a part of the 3,000 3, club. That's crazy. Mr. 3,000. And he's an African-American man. Yep. <laughs> he played for 20-something years, man. Which also doesn't happen anymore in baseball. Baseball has become a young man's game. Like after the steroid era went ran its course, most of the baseball players like you used to have to be thirty to make it to the major leagues. Now you got these dudes coming in their twenties, but they're done at thirty. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of dudes that stick around for a very long time, and when you do stick along for a very long time, you're either a first baseman or a corner outfielder. Like it's a lot more about athleticism, and with the uh, the you know highly specialized pitchers and all the shifts and everything. Dudes aren't getting hits as often. 
but and they're not getting like although they're getting home runs, they're striking out far more. It's the uh, as they call it the three true outcome game. The I'm getting a walk, I'm striking out, or I'm hitting a home run, which you know for stat heads is great for watching the game, not so much. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's why baseball's kind of boring. And with all that said, both of us still watch baseball. It's true. That's <laughs> true. Like I, I dunk on it a lot, and I still watch it because it's a great game. I enjoy the game. We're gonna do. We're gonna obviously do a big baseball preview podcast. But I felt like we would be remiss to not open the show talking about Hank Aaron, talking about his accolades and what he meant to the community. Yep. As a whole, and he died at eighty six, but his legacy will live on throughout the game forever. Forever. Oh, yeah. One of the legends. Let's switch gears, though. Let's talk about football. That's what people came here to listen to. No, they really came for The Bachelor. But <laughs> let's talk about football. Last week, CJ, I told you not to be concerned until these jobs got taken for Eric Bieniemy. Well, the only job available is the Houston job, and Deshaun Watson wants to leave. So it is now time to be concerned. <laughs> I was concerned last week. You said don't be concerned. Are I, you now concerned? I am now concerned. <laughs> I'm now concerned. So here's the thing. I saw the writing on the wall. Okay. Because once the Chargers job, which would have been a great fit for him, got taken. That was on Sunday, though. True. But. So I thought. So on Friday, I thought the game when we recorded on Friday, I thought that the, the Charger game was still in play. So at that point, only Robert Sala had a job. Yeah. And, and Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer had a job. But you like the Chargers would have been a logical fit. Detroit, he didn't want to go to Detroit. Nobody wants to go to Detroit. Right. Uh Houston early in the process. But Houston didn't interview him originally. Right. Which is why I didn't think he was going to end up in Houston. Like the only reason Houston interviewed him is because Deshaun Watson was throwing a fit. Yeah, which it should not take your star quarterback having a tantrum about wanting to leave possibly for you to decide that it's probably to do do right by him. So like if you're Eric Bieniemy, obviously as I said last week, there's only 32 jobs. So you want to take one. But do you want to go to a team that's in shambles? Because if Deshaun Watson is speaking up and he's the leader of the team, he's not the only one that feels that way. Correct. You know there's lots of angry people. I mean you had <laughs> The last game of the season, you had J.J. Watt apologizing to him for wasting one of his years. And you mentioned that the team itself is in shambles because of the roster construction. Mm -hmm. So Eric Bieniemy comes in there, gets a quarterback that is disgruntled, not mad at you. But mad at the organization. Mad at the organization. You have no running backs because Duke Johnson can't get the job done and, and David Johnson's old. Mm -hmm. And just can't get the job done. You have no wide receivers because Will Fuller's going to be leaving in the offseason. Probably. And then you have Brandon Cooks, who did fine, and Kiki Kuti, who did fine, but you, you they're not great. Right. On top of that, they had just traded away their number one all all pro wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. You also have no picks. It's no good whatsoever and, anywhere. And you say all that, and Deshaun Watson still led the league in passing and had his most efficient season of his career. And he wants out, probably. He said he's uh, Schefter tweeted retweeted him 
saying that he was at a two and now he's at a 10. So you have all these football writers saying the same thing, but they're not wrong. And that you, if you have to trade Deshaun Watson, you're going to get a boatload of picks. But all of those boatload of picks is to help you try to find someone that you hope is as good as Deshaun Watson. Correct. Correct. And like I said last week, I don't even know where the deals start. Four first rounders. I think four first rounders is a logical starting point. And I think it's three first rounders is the starting point because you got two for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, but quarterbacks are far more important than corners. Which is why I think it's three. I think this deal looks like something we haven't seen in the current NFL. Like a lot of people are talking about the Herschel Walker deal where you traded like 10 picks and five players. And I think that's what you're looking at. I think it's four first rounders. So like a team with two first rounders this year, plus their first rounder the following two years, plus a couple seconds and thirds. The thing that's the funniest to me is that he has a no trade clause. So, so he can pick where he wants he'll to go. control where he goes. Yeah. Because if he doesn't want to go there, if they if they call and say, hey, we're trading you to the Raiders. If he doesn't want to come here to Vegas, he doesn't have to come to Vegas. Nope. If they're like, hey, you're going to go sit behind Russell Wilson in Seattle. Or even sit behind Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to do that. I hear he wants to go to Miami. I mean, Miami is a logical uh landing spot because they have the draft capital to go get him and you move to as well you move to a, to get there but like for deshaun watson you like the culture there's no state income tax he likes brian flores he likes brian flores so it's a great spot for from a football standpoint they have solid receivers i wouldn't say they're special but you got Devonte parker you have mike gusecki they still need to figure out their running back, but like they're they've gotten leaps and bounds better. Last year they're supposed to be a laughing stock. I said they'll be fine. Like they're not going to win a ton of games. They won five, but they also have money and they have a lot of picks. So you move a first rounder this year, move a first rounder gonna next be, year. It's going to be both this year because they're going to send if they go to Miami, they're sending the Texans their pick back, and they're sending them their own pick. So you, you in fact, Miami makes the most sense because of the. Future damages are really mitigated because you give them two picks in this draft, including the third pick or the fourth pick. It's the third pick. So you give them the third pick back along with Tua, who's essentially a draft pick because he was taken last year in the draft. Mm-hmm. So that's two picks, basically. You give them the, your, their Miami pick this year, which is a third pick, and then you give them a first rounder next year. I think it's three first rounders and Tua plus additional picks. Like, I still think you're going to have to do seconds and thirds. That's a lot. How often can you get an all-pro quarterback who's 25? You don't know that two is not, number one. Number two, Deshaun Watson has has destroyed – well, Houston has destroyed their own leverage because they have mishandled him and mismanaged him that he wants out. And once someone wants out and they have a no-trade clause that there's only certain places they're going to be okay going to, I don't have to overpay. Yeah, but he's still under contract for four years. So if he doesn't play for me, he just doesn't play. And and that's who Nick Casario, who they signed as a GM, will have that attitude. He comes from New England. I don't know that he does. And the only reason I don't know that he does is because of the mismanagement of the ownership group 
with Deshaun Watson. It's not like one of those other players that want to hold out because they want more money or something like that. This is due to social justice issues. This is due to personnel issues. This is due to general bungling and mismanagement of a team. And this is Nick Casario's first order of business is to take care of this situation. What did what did the Rockets just get for James Harden? They got 17,000 picks. No, they got uh, four picks, four pick swaps, and three players. Do you think Desha- Deshaun Watson gets something comparable? Football and basketball are different because there was a four, that was a four-team trade. They're not going to get a four-team trade. Uh, but just the compensation directly from the Nets. Like you said, he got they got four first plus pick swaps. That's why I'm saying it's going to be four first. Okay, if so they do Tua, it's at least three first. I think it's three first and Tua. Tua. I think it's three first and Tua. But there's going to be more than that. Because remember, when the Rams traded up, up to get... Um, or not when the Rams. When the Eagles traded up to get Carson Wentz, they traded three first. And that was for a rookie who you didn't know what, what he was capable of. This is an all-pro quarterback. The only other quarterback worth trading for, like the only quarterbacks at that age who are better are Patrick Mahomes and maybe Josh Allen. You don't think someone's going to give him four first? So the Eagles traded to get the number two pick. They traded the eighth, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a 2017 first, and a 2018 second. Yeah, that's two. Two, two first and extras again. I think I think four first and a couple extras. Not going to be a lot. It's not going to be a lot of extras. I think it's going to be maybe a, a third rounder, maybe a fifth rounder down the road. I think I think you're going to be shocked at how much they pay to get him. Whatever team, it doesn't have to be Miami. I think you're going to be shocked how I, much. Okay, they pay I don't. To get him. I I wouldn't be shocked if another team has to pay that to get it done because they're going to have to sell Deshaun on wanting to be there. He's made it clear that he wants to go to Miami. If he were to go anywhere. Like he has said that, so I think Miami is in the driver's seat, if you will. I mean, the Nets are in the driver's seat for Harden. But then Philly came out of nowhere. Philly became an option. Yeah, but the Philly deal was never, it was never the same as what the Nets were offering. Well, the Nets had, I wonder who had to make that call, right? Who had to call the other two teams to get them involved? Was it? The Rockets or what were the Rockets saying? If you want this done, it's probably the Rockets. You gotta get you gotta get somebody else involved because yeah. we don't want Jared. We don't want Jared. Uh, Jared Allen. We don't want um, what's his face that that has the heart thing or the kidney thing. Oh, Oladipo. Or no, Oladipo. The kidney thing. Um, uh, Karis Levert. Yeah, we don't want Karis Levert. So yeah. figure this out. I wonder who who had to make that call. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, man. I, I don't think he's going to be on Houston. I think he's going to play somewhere else. I think they're going to make a deal this offseason. They're just going to have to. If he doesn't get traded by the draft, they're not trading him this offseason. Right, because they're going to need those. They want those draft picks in the draft. Yes. So does he play? Does he sit out? I think he plays because they've put in language into the most recent CBA that if you sit sit like if you actually hold out um you don't get paid like they you there's no way to recoup the money in a way that there was before but what if Deshaun Watson's like 
Carson Palmer and says, I've saved every check I've ever gotten. So, yeah, you don't need I don't need your money. I could see that. That was still one of the most boss moves I've ever read. Yeah. So when Carson Palmer wanted to get traded from the Bengals, the Bengals weren't trying to trade him. And he didn't want to play in Cincinnati any longer. So he said, I'll retire. He told him he'll he'll retire. He was not going to play for them. They didn't believe him. And he told him, I've saved every single game check I've ever received. I have never spent a single dime from it. So I can live off this millions of dollars. And then that's when Cincinnati knew he was for real. And they traded him to the Raiders, I believe. Yep. To get because he just wanted to get out. Now, is are the Raiders really a better landing spot than Cincinnati? At the time, yes, because he just didn't want to be in Cincinnati. And if you just don't want to be in a place, anything is better than a place you don't want to be. Anything. Yeah. And so and then he ended up going to Arizona when he became a free agent, but he just didn't want to be there right then. At that moment, he was done with them. Yep. CJ, I think our two minute drill has been very successful. Let's run through it. Let's run through these games. We have the Buccaneers playing the Packers in the early game. We have the Chiefs playing the Bills in the late game. Two minutes on the clock starting now. Go. I think the Buccaneers versus the Packers is going to be a problem for the Buccaneers because their secondary hasn't been able to cover anybody for most of the back half of the season. Mm -hmm. I know they just picked off Drew Brees a bunch of times, but Drew Brees looked like the end of Peyton Manning's career where he couldn't throw outside the numbers. He had Mm -hmm. a noodle arm. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to throw bombs and they're going to light them up. Well, they picked apart that good uh, Rams defense. Yes, they didn't have Aaron Donald for most of the game. Yeah. But they took care of them with no problem. You had Aaron Jones running all over them. You had Devontae Adams getting locked up by Jalen Ramsey, and it didn't matter. So that's the thing is the the Rams couldn't generate pressure because so much of what they do is based off of Aaron Donald occupying double and triple team blocks and still beating them. So, like, and Dominican Sue is not Aaron Donald. And, right. And, and they brought back uh, Vita Vea from injured reserve last week. Because he had broken his ankle. So, like, they should be able to get pressure. And if they have to blitz, they're done. They have to get pressure. And they lit up the Packers the first time. But these are two different teams going in two different directions. Like, the Bucks are much better than when they played them then. But so are the Packers. And I don't know how they beat them because I don't know where the pressure is going to come from. Hey, and the Bucks lost to the Saints twice. And yep. then was able to figure it out and get off, get get over the hump. I don't think that the Packers um, don't do the same thing. Well, I the reason I picked the Rams over the Buck or over the Packers is because I thought that they wouldn't be able to do anything without with Jalen Ramsey smothering Devontae Adams. But Aaron Donald was real hurt. I don't. There's no answer for Devontae Adams on the Bucks. And there's no answer for Aaron Jones. And then AJ Dillon also is a yard monster. When he's in, he gets like nine, six to nine yards of carry. But a lot of that has to do with team with the Packers facing light boxes because they're have to account for, for Devonte Adams and Robert Tanyan. Yeah. And that's, this is going to be no different. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is doing big things for that team and I expect them to win. I'm picking the Packers as well. Um, in the next game we have chiefs bills. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been cleared to play. It just yeah. came across right now. 
yeah, as I saw that right before we started, so he's cleared to play. I expect the Chiefs to win, but I expect this to be a shootout. It's going to be a fun game, I think, man. I love the Bills this season. I just like them. The Bills have been great. Nobody's been able to cover Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen has been phenomenal. And, like, you don't see this kind of progression. Before the season started, there was legitimate talk about this was a make-or-break year for Josh Allen because they got to figure out if he uh, is going to be the quarterback of the future for the Bills. He was like dark horse MVP candidate this year. Yeah, the answer is yes. He will be the quarterback until he no longer wants to be the quarterback. Right. And then you have Patrick Mahomes who can do whatever he wants on a football field. Mm-hmm. Like he's <laughs> the funniest thing watching the Chiefs is like they'll sleepwalk for a quarter and a half and then they'll score touchdowns on three straight drives because they can't. And or they'll be like, you know what? We're just gonna throw a fifty yard bomb to Nicole Hardman because he's fast and nobody can cover him. Oh, we're going to run this sweep to Tyreek Hill, and oh, he's not? just going to run past people because he's fast. Oh, why not? Cheetah. Yeah. Let's give him the ball. His nickname is Cheetah. And it feels like they can get 10 yards to Travis Kelsey whenever they want it. Yes, yeah, always open. Yeah. It's always open. So I think the biggest thing is the Chiefs can do what they want on offense. And even though the Bills defense is good, nobody has really stopped the Chiefs. They've slowed them down. Haven't stopped him. And when they played the first time this season, Chiefs ran for over 200 yards in the rain. But I don't think they do that this time because we have Clyde coming back Yep, from injury. Um, apparently he's going to play. And Le'Veon Bell does, has not looked great. No, he hasn't. So I don't know that they run all over them this time. I am actually going to be picking the Bills. I'm picking the Chiefs because without a run game, which the Bills have not had all season – I don't know if they can play keep away long enough to stop the Chiefs. Every team that has beat the Chiefs has done so with a heavy dose of running. And they won't be, I mean, you're not afraid of Devin Singletary or Zach Moss is out. So you're not afraid of Devin Singletary and TJ Yeldon? Well, they haven't been able to run the ball effectively all year. Josh Allen has been their best rusher. Yeah. And that's not going to, I think the builders are still going to be able to get the job done. I think they're going to be able to pick them apart. Um, Passing. Yes. Um, so I'm picking the Bills to win. You're picking the Chiefs. Yep. We're both picking the Green Bay Packers. Yep. I'm thinking a Packers Bills Super Bowl. You're thinking Packers Chiefs. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bachelor. Let's talk Bachelor. This week, bro. The Sarah episode. It was the most dramatic episode yet this season. The Sarah episode. The Bachelor. No. It was the Sarah show featuring like high school musical, the musical, the series. It was the bachelor, Matt James featuring (laughs) Sarah. It was Sarah, Sarah, Matt James, Sarah Trot featuring (laughs) Matt James, man. You know, it's funny watching that episode. Like I ran through the gamut of is Sarah trying to like emotionally manipulate him? Is Sarah not know what she's doing? Does Sarah know exactly what she's doing? Are these feelings genuine? Does she just want to go home? That was all in the first 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was just a lot of Sarah, and it was a lot. So the episode opened up, because remember, we didn't get a rose ceremony last week. Disappointing. So the episode opens up with Sarah <laughs> fainting, right? But she didn't faint. She like just had like a dizzy spell. She comes off the thing. They lay her down. She stands up. Matt takes her outside, and all the girls are just sitting inside waiting. Which I understand her feigning because especially in these early rose ceremonies, they're there all night. They start when there's, you know, when the sun goes down and they're there all night drinking, no food, on their feet because he talks to everyone. 
and all they can do is hang out. Not everyone. Not Anna. <laughs> Your girl Anna. Anna got no time once again. We're going to talk about that. So Sarah's up there. She faints. Ooh, a little woozy. We still have that to resolve the storyline between Victoria and uh, Marianne, or I forgot her name. Marina. Start with him. Yeah. I forgot. She, she went home. That girl gone. Yep. So it didn't even matter. But Sarah faints. She comes back. Matt talks to her outside. And then that's when you realize that this is going to be a Sarah-centric episode. Because yep. the girls are very upset with Sarah's fainting. Which I thought was fun. I was like, oh man, the girl might be a little woozy. Yep. But they thought it was an act. Turns out maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Still don't know. We don't, Still know. don't know. So then they come back. Then it's a rose ceremony. Bunch of girls get axed. Uh, Marianne, she got an orchid early, but not a rose late. And she went home. The couple other girls went home. It is what it is. You know what the worst part is? is she was the only one shown walking out. So like, if you're one of the other girls that got kicked off, that was just it. Looking at you, Lauren. Sorry you had to go like that. Yeah. But it is what it is. Oh, also you, um, not Annalise, uh, not Anna. It was it was the one behind her. Alana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking at you, Alana, the same kind of type of situation. Like, you should at least get, like, a headshot on your way out because that really lowers your chances of going to paradise. Yeah. The odds for you to go to paradise are slimmer. Yep. If you didn't even think, they didn't even think to have you say bye. Nope. So... We get after the rose ceremony. We then get to the dates. Turns out everybody's going to be going on a date this week. There's no one that's going to be left out. So we start off with the group date, the first group date. A bunch of girls go. Sarah is not one of the girls that goes, but during the group date they have to write some erotica and then read it to Matt and everyone else. Yes, because everyone gets to watch this thing. Katie did a great job with her erotica. Queen Victoria was extremely graphic. So this whole date was just to plug Chris Harrison's erotica book from five years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt's not good at planning dates, so I'm going to plan this one. So like, was this the show that was like, this is what we're going to do? Or was Chris like, hey, I got the perfect idea for the date. Hashtag book plug. I think this was the show saying we could only do so much here at this resort. What do we got? And Chris is like, I got a book. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. You did have a book. Let's yep. see if we can increase them sales for you. And then maybe in the future we can use it as a marketing ploy. So then they talk about, they bring in Ashley I off the bench. They just tap their wrists and bring her in off the bench to come now, in. She is always down to be on the show. I don't know that she's always down, but she apparently has sold her soul to them. So she has to always be on. Yeah. And so she comes in and she reads from Chris's book. And then the girls have to write their own erotica, which even makes Ashley I blush, who was, as you know, a virgin when she was on this show so many years ago. No, man, she's married to Jared. Get out of here. But still a virgin. Don't be rude to her. Ashley I is great. (laughs) So Ashley I comes on there. They read some stuff, make some people blush. Kayla read some stuff. I remember her. She said some stuff there, too. Nothing crazy. But then they read this erotica. Everything's great. They then get the night part of the date. Where Matt takes the girls and they go to have their cocktails. Back at the in the group, Sarah is feeling uneasy about the connection other girls are making because apparently she's never seen the show before. 
So since she was feeling uneasy about the connection that they were having, she then goes, leaves the, not the mansion, but the hotel rooms that they're in, and sneaks into the date and crashes the girl's date. Rude. Just the, rude. The worst part is that she shows up and she's during Katie's time. Katie is amazing. So as we continue going to the episode, we're going to talk about how much of a queen Katie is. But how do you go from opening night dildo girl to one of the fan favorites of the season in three episodes, two episodes? And you never stop being you. Her erotica is real, real risque. <laughs> you never stop being you. But you're, you're showing that there's so many layers to you. Right. Because she goes and she's real chill. And she's like, all right, um, it must be something important. So I'm going to go ahead and excuse myself and let you guys chat about whatever you got to chat about. Yep. She goes to the other girls. And the other girls are like, you just abdicated your time. You ceded your time there. And then she's like, no, they're like, go retake your time. <laughs> so Katie goes back in there. And it's one of the best scenes I've ever seen. Sarah's sitting there talking about to Matt about his connection and their connection. And Matt's like, bro, like, I'm sorry. I love you, too. I'm already there. You're already there. I know it's been a single date. A, CJ, a single date. Yeah, one date. But apparently we're already there. I mean, they've spent, what, three hours together, maybe? Three-ish hours total. And that includes the night. Uh, maybe five, including the night part of the date. Maybe. No unsupervised time. Right. So they spent about four to five hours together. So she's like in love with him where she needed to sneak off and go and see them at the date. Katie comes back and she's like, hey, uh, knock, knock, knock. Mind if I get my time back? And then Sarah's like, well, we're talking about something very important. So I will give him back to you in like five minutes. And then she's like, mm, can you make it like three? Because like I, I have a limited amount of time and you came in during mine. Right, which is a reasonable request. Yeah. And then Sarah's like, fine, I'll bring him to you in like a couple minutes. And she's like, cool, cool. I'm just going to be over here. <laughs> she stands in like the corner. Yeah, and she's like checking her nails and hanging out. In the room. She stands in the corner of the room. And Sarah is so distracted by Katie standing there that she can't even focus on Matt being there. She's like, hey, can you just like walk me out? I'm like, Matt, you. I get that you're trying to be a good dude. Right. But this girl has come and taken the time and you're not even on a date with her. It's the same problem I had with Pete last season. Peter did the same crap. You can't just let these girls come in and bogart other girls' time and not think you're going to look like a bad guy. But Peter's trash. Right. And we don't know that Matt's not trash yet. But we knew Peter was trash early on. But we've seen Peter before. That's true. And we had we never seen, seen Matt. And so we'll see if he ends up being trash. But I was like, bro, you got to make Sarah go back. Yeah. But he didn't. And so Katie stood there, which was so great. And she just waited and waited. Like a queen. And Nope, that's Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria is the one that told her to go back. No, but like Queen Victoria crowned herself. Katie is actually a queen. <laughs> so... She waits, and then she finally gets her time, and Sarah goes, Sarah thinks that she's going to control the narrative, so she goes to talk to the girls to apologize for crashing their date, and they're like, you're asking for forgiveness instead of for permission. That's not going to fly with any of us. Another queen, Kit. 
Kit's not here for that mess either. You know what's funny is uh, as we go through the episode, remember when Kit and Victoria were like, they were enemies of each other, persona non grata? Yep. They were buddies this episode. They high-fived and they just traded bars. Yeah. Traded bars, one after another. I think we found a new power couple on the show. (laughs) Queen Victoria and Kit. Yeah. Sometimes you start off as enemies and that's when you find your best friend. (laughs) So they... She apologizes. She goes outside. She cries because she's her apology was like a fake apology. And Victoria, I believe, called her out on it. Yep. While she's outside, Katie walks up and was like, I don't like what was the emergency? She's like, well, there wasn't one. I just felt like my feelings were slipping. And Katie's like, everyone has those feelings from time to time. You can't just jump up and interrupt other dates when you feel that way, man. Yep. Especially because you took my time. And Katie was very nice about it. Yeah. Which most girls, the, the claws would have came out. I thought, they, I mean, for, I think it was Victoria that was talking to her originally. She like only excused herself because she was ready to bar, to bear them claws. Yep. And when Katie said, this is, you know, this is more of Katie's business than mine. So I'm going to let Katie take care of this. And she did. Well, do you know who's on that date, CJ? Katie. You know who else was on that date? Kit. And Anna. Now, who still hasn't talked to Matt James <laughs> after three episodes? Anna. Anna. So Anna goes on this, this date, and she's like, finally, I'm going to get a chance to talk, because she missed him at both cocktail parties. Yep. She's like, I'm finally going to get a chance to talk to Matt on this one-on-one date with, on this uh, group date with like eight girls. I'm going to get some solo time. After the Sarah debacle, he comes back and gives a rose to Rachel. Because <laughs> she bared her soul. Not giving Anna nor Kayla time to go talk to him and see where his head's at. (laughs) Oh, Anna, so, so sorry that you're still not getting any time. Well, the next day, we are giving therapy a date. She's going on a one-on-one date. Serena was very excited about her one-on-one date. Serena P, not Sarah. Serena, Serena P, yes. So Serena P is going on a one-on-one date. Tell me why. When Serena P was going on this one-on-one date, this dude thought he needed to stop and talk to Sarah first. Because she wasn't down there with all the other girls. Where is she? She's in her room crying. Give me five minutes. I want to go talk to her. He gets there, gives her this giant hug, and ends up on her bed. For an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't five minutes. It was not five minutes. And Serena, talking to all the other girls, had a very good reasoning why she wasn't upset was she can have this five minutes. I'm going to have them all day. Like Makes any sense. other logical contestant on the show. Yeah. Serena, Serena P might be too smart for the show. Well, yeah, but she's also very young. But is she, though? She's 22. But she, okay, so they go on her, after he gives Sarah probably like 45 minutes. And then he finally comes back and he's like, hey, man, that was long for five minutes. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll give that same time to anyone. Yeah. Mind you, Matt, in that five minutes, gave nothing but reassurances to her. Constantly told her that their connection was real. He constantly kisses her and was willing to be there for her. Because really, I thought Sarah was going to be, I thought Sarah was a good pick for me. I thought Sarah was going to win this thing. And for what it sounded like, she had an outside shot of doing that. She did, but she didn't. <laughs> she did, but she didn't. How did she not? Because she left? Yeah. That's the only reason. 
Yeah. Because she was in the driver's seat. The thing is, is being in the driver's seat week two or three is different than being in the driver's seat week 10. Is it, though, for a dude that's never been on the show? That's true. He doesn't know how this works. So if he, like, is falling for this girl, he's like that that TikTok me, that TikTok, oh, I hope I don't fall. It's too late. He had already fallen for Sarah. He was in. Yeah. And so. So were we going to get another Claire Dale situation? Possibly. But the thing that was funny is that Katie said it best. She's like, I would rather he knows because I don't want him to pick me just because she left. Yeah. And that's Queen Katie just right there. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the him and Serena go on a date. Date had some goats. I don't remember everything that happened on the date. Okay. Number one, they were donkeys. Whatever. Donkeys. Number goats. two. She got cock blocked by a donkey because he seemed more interested in the donkeys than her. You think so? I mean, what? Well, first of all, he was definitely interested in that charcuterie board. Yes, I and, think he was interested in Serena, though. I mean, he was interested in making out. That's usually what he's interested in. But then the donkey showed up, and then it was like she was like, "These donkeys are messing up my makeup time." Listen, I almost forgot CJ. Just like he didn't give her any time, we also didn't give any time to Serena. See, she also did not get to talk to Matt. I'm picking her to go home every week until she goes home. Because uh, she, we didn't give her time. We didn't even say her name. Serena C. She also didn't get time. Anyway, back to nope. Serena P. The You mean Serena, the superior Serena? Yeah. The she, like. Serena Prime. The, the, these, <laughs> these donkeys are, you know, all up in the date. And I was like, man, the producers really don't want him to make out with her. They're like trying to help Sarah out here. Serena. Serena Prime. No. Oh, they're trying to help Sarah? They're trying to help Sarah, who, you know, threw her tantrum and wouldn't <laughs> come out of bed and talk to anybody. And they're like, well, if we stop them from making out by releasing these donkeys into their date. <laughs> Release the donkeys. Yeah. Then Sarah <laughs> will be able to move back in. Uh-huh. And they did. And nothing. It, it and I mean, nothing happened because they went on their dinner date. They had casual conversation. They made out. She got it wrong. So here's the thing, though. The reason I said, it, is she really 22 or is she like a 30-year-old woman in a 22-year-old's body? She says, I'm not falling in love. I'm, I'm, I can say I'm falling in like. I'm well, falling that, in like with this guy. Well, I mean, that's the first step. Actually, no the first step is I could see myself falling in love. Yeah, yeah. No, she's not even there. She's like, I, I like this guy. I can see myself liking this guy. Which is funny because it's always, I could see myself falling in love and then... I'm starting to fall in love. I have fallen in love. And then I love you. And she's like, I might like this kid. Yeah. He seems okay. And I was like, oh, smart. Yeah. I like that. Well, as time was running down, you're like, we're not going to get another rose ceremony. You didn't believe me. I was we like, no, no, together. no, you no, no, no. There's time. There's time. No, you didn't believe me though. Well, we, we get back and it's more Sarah. Yep. Sarah has decided that she... It's about to go home, but before she goes home, they get the date card for the group date. Before they can read any names, Sarah shows up. Sarah shows up for the first time. And now the girls have decided that this is the time to roast Sarah. But it wasn't like a Comedy Central roast. This was like a... Straight bullying. Kit and Victoria bullied her. It was like Mean Girls, the plastics, just like came after her and Sarah's behavior not great but she didn't deserve that right like nobody tried to talk to her and be like what's going on it was just like 
you're an awful human being. You are the scum between my toes. Yep. And that's what she was getting from Kit and Victoria, especially Victoria. Victoria is like the worst. Yeah. Victoria is like the super worst, but I, eh. and she kind of like Loki deserved, not deserved that vitriol. So like, we, I mean, obviously we know who's going on the group date because they're the girls that didn't go on the first group date or the individual date, but we didn't actually hear who was going on the group date because they bullied Sarah and it was bad. Yeah. And that's how the segment ended with basically Kit saying, I hope you go home because your life here will be a living hell. Oh, and she said, I don't want to see her face. I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to hear her name. Nothing. Yeah. So if you're Sarah and you're already having doubts about the experience, how are you supposed to feel? So we go to the next morning, which is supposed to be the group date, which they still haven't announced who's officially going on the group date. And Sarah is still crying in the, in her private suite. And our queen Katie shows up and has a very real conversation where she builds her up. Despite the fact that Katie has been at odds with Sarah the entire episode. And this is where you, we hear about her dad having ALS. We already knew this, but this is the first time one of the girls has heard this. And she's really questioning, should she be here? Right. Which is a legitimate question. So you hear about this and Katie opens back up to her saying, you know, I lost my father already. And the one thing I wish I could have done was be there when I still had the time to. So if this is how you feel, you should go. And this wasn't like a, you should go so I get more time with Matt. This was like a genuine human moment. Queen. Yes. Builds her up, gives her the hug that she needs because no one else was offering it, and sends her on her way. And Sarah says, all right, I'm checking out, but I'm going to go tell Matt first. Mm -hmm. Packs her stuff. And at this moment, I thought for sure Matt was going to talk her into staying. I don't... I thought it was like for fake. I thought she like wanted to go, but like goes and tells Matt and then he like does the move to try to keep her to stay again. So you think that she was, you thought she was undecided. I thought she was. I took it as she was out and it wasn't just about him. I think it was more about her family and everything. And she went and she talked to him and he kind of tried to talk her into staying, but he also knew that he couldn't talk her into staying. So the episode wraps up with them having a real conversation and her leaving. Yeah. And then crying in the limo on her way out. Yeah. Well, not the limo, the uh, SUV that went to the end of the block. So then they could take her, do a COVID testing and <laughs> take her to the airport. You know, what's funny is uh, that, that SUV didn't have a license plate on it. So I was like, you know, they're just driving her to the edge of the property and then they're putting her in like a Uber sending her on her way (laughs) and that was the episode man we didn't get a rose ceremony we didn't even get that second group date that was kind of it well i mean we did get a rose ceremony it was just at the beginning well it's from the previous week when sarah acted up this was i thought sarah was gonna win this thing man she at the beginning when like in her video package she seemed too good to be on this show okay but she left because i think she might have been too normal I think she was too normal of a person. Okay. Because the, I can't date this dude when I know he's dating 25 other women is a very logical response. And the, I'm putting my life with my family on hold to be here 
and this is already like a toxic environment for me, why stay when I'm losing the time I could have with my father? Well, she's a model. She was a TV anchor. I think um, she just wanted to get on TV and help her brand and then was like, all right, done enough of that. I want to get about it. I want to get about it here. I'm not that interested in Matt. I got stuff to do. Maybe. Dad also has ALS. Maybe. Because in her opening video package, she framed it as... Because do you think she's... She's supposed to have like a big family. Do you think she's the primary caretaker? Maybe. Because she's only 24. Which means she is young enough to be that primary caretaker based on family dynamics. But do you think... Like her mom was there. Do you think she's... Her Her mom mom might have to work. It's easy. Like if mom makes more money than the kid... The mom goes to work. The kids they live in here. San Diego. Yeah. They have money. That doesn't mean that they have enough money where they can't afford it. Like they can afford a caretaker. So I, I, I just don't think that she only did that. I think she models on the side. I've seen her Instagram. Yeah, but modeling isn't a full-time job. No, what I'm saying is that I don't think her primary thing is really taking. I think she takes, she helps take care of her dad. I think she may have quit to move closer, but I don't think like that was really weighing on her staying or not. Yeah. I, I mean, I think she stayed as long as she could and then was like, all right, I'm done. Only social media will tell. Only social media will tell. Speaking of Claire and Dale broke up this week. I am shocked. You don't look that shocked. I'm not shocked. That was sarcasm. Two weeks, two weeks. They, they met on that show and then they broke up. Claire says she was blindsided by the news. She didn't see it coming. I think my favorite part of their breakup is that Dale put out a statement saying that they mutually agreed to break up. And Claire was like, this is the first time I heard I mutually agreed to do something. Yeah. Claire was like, I wasn't, a sh- I wasn't aware that we broke up. Sounds like the uh, classic Ross and Rachel of we're on a break. We're on a break. No, well, we, we broke, broke up. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what that was. So Dale, all those Dale and Claire stands. It's over. I might not be over, over, but it's over for now. For sure. This was, I mean, all the uh, most recent Disney movies, especially Frozen, the you can't marry a man you just met. Claire needs to hear that. <laughs> and thus, that saga ends. Tasha's still with uh, Zach, so we'll see how long that lasts. And notice how they're not married. Claire was ready to get married. <laughs> notice how they're not married. They've been off the show for weeks. A couple months. I think uh, they, wrapped, nah, they, they wrapped up in like September. But they couldn't be out in public until like the beginning of january yeah so lots of uh zoom dates <laughs> and that's it yeah Hashtag COVID. i'm still quick. upset that the dude that i described as having a baby's head on an adult body one <laughs> you gotta pick them better you gotta, yeah. you gotta, we gotta um figure out who it is and not trash them yep <laughs> cj let's talk about the challenge the best sport on mtv is that what you're going with well, it's the third best sport in the country, but the best sport on MTV. The fourth national sport. Actually, if they brought back Rock and Jock, it would not be the best sport on MTV. But here we are. Well, this week on the challenge. Oh, man, it was a week. We had a mini final. I always enjoy the mini finals because it really exposes the power dynamics when it is a team-based season. It's not looking good for Fessy and Anissa. No, it's not. When Fessy tried to ditch her, Anissa said, no, no. 
get back over here. Yeah, and Fessy did not look very pleased with that decision. It's not looking good for CT and Big Big, Big CT. Big CT. But we knew that that CT needs her for the social game. He can't win a final with her. He's going to just pick her up and put her on his back. Which I was surprised he didn't pick her up on the other shoulder while he had the log on the one shoulder. <laughs> just the, the whatever the pill they were calling it. Yeah. Have the pill on one shoulder. Have Big T on the other shoulder. Go to work. Just carry them both. I mean, he practically threw her over the wall. Yeah. Yeah, he basically did when he yeah. like had the thing, the little beam down down there. Yep. He lifted her right on the thing and pushed her over. Yep. The, the episode started off, though, with a little bit of talking about Teresa and where she fit in this episode, in this, in this season. So we knew it was a Teresa-heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Teresa is friends with Anissa. Didn't give Anissa the heads up that she was going in. But Teresa's friends with all of the girls in the house. She is the only girl. Not all the girls. Not, not the, the vets. She's not friends with Cam. She's friends with She's Anissa. not friends with Lolo. Well, they were working together. Yeah, they were working they together. They were, no, they still were. Um, she was in friends with Ashley. Eh, she has more friends than most in that house. True. She's not definitely not friends with Nani. Her and Nani hate each other. Yeah. So uh, Teresa gets pretty much read the riot act for not giving Anissa heads up. That was going to be her for the story. Which I don't think she had to. She didn't have to. It's a nice thing to do to give Anissa the head up, heads up. Yeah. But not that the plan is going to be Tori. But it is what it is. So we then go to the mini final. Before we get the mini final, Leo Rush unceremoniously leaves. I was very sad to see Leo go. I was excited, like going back to our preview episode. I thought Leo was going to do big things. And Leo was kind of just a background character. But props to him for acknowledging that he was struggling and getting out of Dodge. It's really, I really appreciated TJ not going in on him for quitting. Yeah. Because he was having some real mental issues, some mental health issues. And realistically, th- that's part of the reason why he stopped wrestling. Is he was wrestling and then he took time off to express to treat his mental health issues. He came back. He got released. And then he, next time I see him, he's on the challenge. Well, right now he's in Major League Wrestling. Nice. And he's, he's back to wrestling again. He's decided to go back to do that. And I'm glad that he decided to leave on his own accord. I, I do think more wrestlers, though, should be in the challenge. I feel like that was not a indictment on wrestlers being in the challenge house. If, if The Miz can go from the challenge to headlining WrestleMania, a wrestler can definitely go from wrestling to dominating in the challenge. Who are five wrestlers you want to see in the challenge? Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Dylon doesn't wrestle. It's a rapper. Okay. Then I would love to see a Shayna Baszler in there. Because with that MMA background, I'm very curious to see how she would do. I would love to see someone like Ricochet. Okay, Ricochet would be great. Because he like a lot of the athleticism I think would be great. I'd love to see someone like Casey Catanzaro. She's very little, but she's mighty. I was thinking about her too. But she's another American Ninja Warrior person too. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to, of course, see Roman Reigns. He's the prototype. Would Roman Reigns be good on the challenge? I think he he comes across as very personable. So I think socially he would be good, and I think he would wreck people in, cha- in physical challenges. Did you know Roman Reigns has five kids? So he's a stud. 
So I don't. <laughs> He's a genetic jackhammer. I just, I just don't know if he can leave his family and do this. Probably not, but I think he would be great at it. Okay. And I would probably like to see someone like a. Uh, I'd love to see someone like Otis because I'm just curious what that looks like. It wouldn't look good. It'd be, remember Big Easy? Yeah. So like Big Easy, but bigger. Yeah, but Otis is actually in shape. Yeah, even still, he's a big dude. They would have to figure out the harnesses and stuff. That's true. I think Casey Kentazano and Ricochet would both be good picks. I think Zelina Vega and Aleister Black would be good picks. Yes. And I think someone like maybe like Baron Corbin. What if they did Bloodlines and you brought in the Young Bucks? The Young Bucks would be fun, but they both have kids. They both have a ton of kids. So I'm trying to think of like, because one of the reasons, one of the um, determining factors for Leo to go home was his family. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of who doesn't have like connections and like a fam- a sprawling family of, of people that they would feel bad leaving. I think uh, Sasha Banks Mercedes would be good. I think she'd be fighting. I think I, she'd be fighting with people. But I think she would be fighting, and I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I think it'd be fun because she. I think she has the athletic ability to compete. What does someone like Nia Jax look like in the challenge? She doesn't. They don't cast her. But she's like she's got strength to rival a lot of the dudes there. True. True. I don't know what her cardio looks like. It doesn't look great in a wrestling ring, but. She's she's performing feats of strength. Well, speaking of her cardio, that just leads us right back to what we were talking about. And Anissa, yep. also terrible cardio. They do this mini final where they have to run five miles carrying this giant beam thing. It that, was so it was the pill from the first team challenge. Okay. Where they had like the holes in it and stuff, and they had to put the capsules in. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was that beam, and they had to carry it. Man, there was some of those people were not really carrying it. Oh. D- Darrell and Amber B. Darrell did all the work. So it was funny because the height difference was very noticeable with some of the teams. So like Darrell was just hulking out, but like there was no way Big T could help CT. Right. And like Nam and Lolo, not that big of a height difference, but for some like Lolo said that she had a shoulder surgery, so she couldn't carry it on one side, which is fine. I understand that. But like Y'all need to figure it out because you two should have beasted this challenge. Dude, Lolo yelling at Nam made sense to me, man. She's trying to motivate him. But that doesn't that's not how Nam responds. And Lolo said it perfect at the end of or at the end of the challenge when she was like, Nam is an individual athlete and I'm a team athlete, and this dynamic may not work for us. Because- and she wasn't being mean, and Nam was like, You hurt my feelings, but Realistically, if I know that you're an individual and you know how to get yourself up, but you can't help get me up and I need you to get me up for this challenge, we're not going to work. Right. It's true. Lolo, when she gets her skull, I think she's leaving Nam. I don't think Nam is going to leave Lolo, but I think Lolo will leave Nam. Oh, because Nam was quiet. And and CJ, the thing that personally makes me the maddest is when people don't give effort. Effort. I don't care about wins and losses. I care about effort. Yeah. And when she's like, let's run it out. And he's like, nah. He's like, nah, there's no point. 
I was I was throwing things at this TV over here. That's a big TV. You probably shouldn't break it. I know, but I was just I was with her. I was I understood exactly where Lola was coming from. That's how you fit you finish strong. Myself and future wife are also on team Lolo for that. Like I didn't like how she was coming at him for most of the challenge, but I also understand that in the heat of competition, you get fired up, you talk to people a certain kind of way, and like it's not supposed to be meant personally. It's just you're competing, you're amped up. That's how you do it, because I'm the same way. So when Lolo at the end was like, I need like she tried to explain it as like, I need you to be my teammate. I need this from you. And Nam's like, nah, I'm good. I'm on her side 100%. Well, another thing that doesn't get talked about is that she has competed at the highest form of competition against the best in the world. Which she did not throw in his face when she could have. She could have been like, I'm an Olympic athlete. You didn't even win Beastmaster. Yeah. Come on, bro. Right. And so she didn't do that. But she was like, I don't know if this is going to work because we're not working together because you you want to talk about individual accolades and I'm trying to get this team going. Actually, my favorite critique Lolo had of Nam, which wasn't an actual critique she was just playing when she was like, when they were doing the puzzle and she was like, Nam, you're a mechanical engineer. Like, you should be doing this or do you need a calculator? I was like, that's actually pretty funny. They just probably have calculators. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, they probably do have calculators. One thing I loved was Jay and Teresa's strategy though. Yeah. Jay and Teresa, like they carried it and went through. Cause Jay is, is my, I don't know if you've watched millennial versus Gen X. Nope. Jay is fantastic in that season of the of survivor. Obviously. And he's, he killed it this time. And he's also great here. Right. So him and, and Teresa's marathon runner. Yes. So they hang back, they hang back and then they burst open. Well, it's funny because like they and I believe they said it. They're like, we know our endurance is better than anyone else here. And if you know your endurance as a team is better than anyone else, just push the pace, hang back, get in front and then push the pace. And that's exactly what they did. Yes. And so with with them being the ones that were pushing the pace and pushing everyone forward, we get to the beam where you Uh climb over, like you said. And then. We get to the puzzle. Now, the puzzle, the math puzzle was just really funny. It was basically a Sudoku. Yeah. Like, uh, actually, a less difficult Sudoku because you only had to have the numbers add up to, I think it was 38 for each row. So they had 15 minutes to add up the numbers. Teresa and Jay... Ashley and Corey are the only ones that didn't time out. Let's say it again. Teresa and Jay and Ashley are the only ones that didn't oh, yeah. time out. Corey was just standing there. Corey got there with Ashley and said, all right, you do what you do. And then well, he stood back and let Ashley get these numbers going. And Ashley murdered that challenge. Because she's good with numbers, man. She's good at puzzles. That's what she does. But you know what's sad is Ashley murdered that challenge. Teresa and Jay did it in a normal amount of time. Well, not I guess not a normal amount of time because everyone else timed out. But... Corey and Ashley went the wrong way. Yeah. And that was the loss. And that was because they lost to Teresa and Jay by maybe 10 seconds. That's what it made it look like. Yeah. But if they lost, like you, well, you could see them in the background when Teresa and Jay crossed the, the line. My point is they yeah. went the wrong way long enough for Teresa and Jay to get in front of them. Yeah. So. And that was the difference maker. Yeah. Because after that, they were trailing the whole time. And and don't get me wrong, Teresa and Jay are no slouches, man. That's what I'm trying to stress. I'm trying to make people understand. But Ashley went home because they went the wrong way. 
True. But Ter- Teresa Teresa Jones, mm-hmm. Jay Starrett, these guys are here to compete. They're not layups. They're not. And so when last week when or two weeks ago when dumb Josh was like, I want to go against Jay, you don't want that smoke, bro. You Josh don't want that dumb. smoke. Well, he's a big dumb idiot. Jay knows about. what he's doing. He's in his, he's he's a big fan. And he's here to do it to get it done. That's one of the reasons he picked Teresa's because he's a he fan knew. of Teresa's. He knows. Yeah. And so and Teresa played basketball. Collegiate basketball. Yeah. She's a baller. She's she's skilled. They they're not late. And now she's a marathon runner. Mm-hmm. So um Ashley and Corey come in second. Teresa then hatches a plan to get her thrown into the elimination. Mm-hmm. Very smart plan. Ashley doesn't trust me. We think it's a girl's day. We don't know. We think it's a girl's day, though. So, since we think it's a girl's day, let's get Ashley in against someone else that doesn't trust me and doesn't like me. And at the end of the day, that's what makes the most sense. Like, I understand that it's the game within a game of like, you want to set yourself up to have a strong partner and you want to make sure your partner has a skull at the same time that you do. So people don't come after you and all that jazz. But at the end of the day, you want to cut down the numbers that want you out. So if I can get one of my enemies in, I'm going to do it. And then I get to pick another enemy to go against them, which helps me move further in this game because I'm going to be on the right side of the numbers the longer we go. And right now, Teresa's on the right side of the numbers by working with the new girls. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be co- cohesive mm-hmm. and working together. Before, though, the votes go down there, Ashley gives a pretty strong plea to try to stay. But that plea fell on deaf ears to the women, but the dudes heard it. Yeah, and what the plea was, you saw what happened today in this final, this mini final. Mm-hmm. Who's the only one of two that got this done? Don't you want that on your side to get these puzzles done? It's not going to just be strength. Yep. You're going to need some brains, and that's what I got in spades. Yep. And every season before this, you've seen there's puzzles in the finals that some teams just can't do, and they just got to take a time penalty. My favorite was, uh, as she was saying, that um, Amber M was like, well, you know, sometimes people gas out. And Ashley's like, right, right, right. You're not talking about me, though. So, yeah, I, I've won twice. Yeah, take take that to CT with that mess. Don't talk to me about that. Like, I, CT is gassed out. Yeah. Uh, Paulie is gassed out. Yep. The, I have not gassed out. I'm here to compete. Yep. And she was right. M- uh, Millionaire Mitchell, she's right. Great, and great nickname. True, right? Yeah. So they go in there and they vote. So many people you burn votes. Yeah. It only took nine to get the job done. I was very surprised that nine got the job done because I felt like the dudes were going to place the votes around to get rid of one of the perceived weaker women. Because everyone was operating under the wavelength of this is a girl's elimination. Yeah. So if it's a girl's elimination, I'm going to try to get rid of a girl I don't want to partner with. I think that they also didn't want to give Teresa the satisfaction of going down there and getting her own skull. That's also true. So they probably didn't want to use, don't put Amber M down there or someone like that. Because Teresa would take it. Because Teresa could choose to go down there and compete. But I don't think Teresa was going to go down because Teresa's working with the Amber M's of the world. I know. I don't think she, she goes down either, but I think that they didn't want to give her the opportunity because they talked about 
actually talked about her not getting an easy skull. Yeah. Later on. And it's funny because like as the women are going head to head and you're getting these like tough matchups at the end, we're not getting any main event looks like I think it's okay. Time to go get those easy skulls. Right. And you give those big bangers early. Yeah. But like when it's time to get an easy skull and it's Amber M versus Gabby, one of them is getting a quote unquote easy skull. Probably Gabby, I guess, because Gabby to me is, is a little bit stronger. I don't know. But who knows? But anyway, so this plan gets hatched, and it was a genius plan. Mm-hmm. Get Ashley in, and then I'm going to give Cam the quote-unquote opportunity to earn her school. Yep. Now, I loved her talking to Cam. Cam's face did not say she believed anything Teresa yeah. was telling her. Both Cam and Leroy were like, this is a stupid idea. I don't know why you're telling me this. Yeah. But that was the plan, quote unquote. Yep. Was to try to give her an easy way to get this done. And reality is that she was just trying to get rid of someone that's not on her side. On her side. And that's so smart. That's so, so smart. Because by doing that, it puts it gives you one less enemy in the house no matter what happens. Correct. What'd you think of the elimination challenge? Mm. No, before we get to that, I loved when they went down there and then TJ's like well, I got some news for the guys. And Jay is freaking out. Yep. Because Corey's one of his very good friends. Kyle's one of his very good friends. Yep. And the plan was not to put his two guy friends against each other. It was to put two of her girl enemies against each other. Well, I also thought it was funny when Jay was like, me and Teresa agreed to not tell anyone. So I'm keeping my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And Teresa's over here running her mouth to Cam. She didn't tell her who was going in. She said... True. If Ashley goes down there, do you want because Ashley was the name that was going around. Right. That's the name she had put around. And so she said, if Ashley goes down there and it's a headbanger, you want it? But I understand the frustration on both Kyle and Corey's part that it's like, this is supposed to be your dude. Why are we down here? Right. Right. I, I understand like it's supposed to help keep us safe. Yeah. And my favorite though is when She's like, who are you going to put in there if it's not me? I don't know, Nani. <laughs> so you're putting me in. Got it. <laughs> no, no, no. So Nani maybe because yeah. Teresa and Nani hate each other. So That's true. the backup plan is always Nani because I don't care. And then Teresa, Nani's like, she thinks she wants to go get someone that she can beat. She can beat you. She has before. Yeah. And you guys have not been on speaking terms since she beat you. So when she beat him during... Um, Battle of the Sexes 2, when Nani was paired with with Bananas. The one reason that you hate Bananas is the because he screws Sarah Rice. Yeah. That's where it's from. It was at the very end. I watched that season. I'm trying to remember what happened. So it was at the very end. Bananas and, and Nani were paired together. And they get to the end. Jordan is... Paired with um, Sarah Rice. Yeah. And it's right before the final. Like literally right before the finals. Was this the one where they did like the pole wrestling on the cliffside? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember yeah. that one. Battle of the X's too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so it's, they're out there and it's right Right before the it end. Was, yeah, because they had like gone to Columbia or whatever, and then they had one more elimination before they ran the final. You're right, and they didn't realize it. 
they were going to have to do that. And there's obviously no exile to come back from. Right. So she sends in, she sends in who, uh, uh, bananas and Nani have to go against Leroy and Teresa. Yeah. And they send them home. And that's why bananas is so mad at Sarah come rivals or whatever. Uh Um, yeah. Rivals is because he feels like she took that money out of his pocket. Yeah. When if they don't do it, then they don't do it. Yeah. They don't then, then bananas wins. So why would I do that? Because in that season, Jordan and Sarah came in first. Uh-huh. Teresa and Leroy came in second. Yeah. And Jay and Jenna came in third. Why am I sending Jay and Jenna in? Yep. And I have to choose between Jay and Jenna or bananas and Leroy. And we knew Je- that was before Jenna had gotten in super good shape. Well, they at the time Jenna wouldn't eat anything gross. This was Jenna's first season. Yeah, she's not eating anything gross. But she also like Jenna wasn't the beast that she became at that point. Either. Right. Like I remember Jenna was the layup that everyone liked, so they kept her around. And Leroy and Teresa got put together last minute because Naya got DQ'd. Yes. So <clears throat> Naya got Naya got DQ'd. So with all that being the case. It just made sense for them to go each other against each other, which is why I've never understood why Johnny felt like he got screwed by Sarah. Mm-hmm. Because why am I putting in Jay and Jenna? Because I'm trying to win. Yeah, Jay and Jenna are there for third place. They're the they're the reason the term layup exists. Mm-hmm. They're literally the the invention of the term layup was in this season, and it was because they were a layup. Yep. So we're not getting rid of them at all. Yeah. Jay's. Jay's as small as I am. I'm a small guy. Mm-hmm. I'm only like five five. That's how tall he yeah. is. And Jenna was just there to look cute that season. Yeah, she hadn't become like a real beast yet. Yeah, but it was funny because that season, Jenna realized what it was about, and then Jenna started working out. Well, she started dating Zach, which also helped her start working out. And so, with that being the case, right? Teresa knows that she can get Nani. Uh huh. Nani knows that Teresa can get her. Yep. Which is why she hates her. And mind you, this rivalry, this hatred for each other, they haven't spoken since, what, 2015? Yeah, it's been a while. Twenty, Yeah, back, back in 2015 is when it was like filmed or at least released. So mm-hmm. end of 2014 is when it was filmed. They haven't talked in like seven years. They're not friends. Probably not. And as I look around these rookie girls, Teresa's like, I know there's one girl in here that I know I could be happy to go against. Yep. Which is why Nani's like, I think it's going to be me. <laughs> but Teresa's not about that smoke. Zin's actually in there. She makes her face cam. And I, what did you think of this, uh, this elimination? It was fine. I didn't think it was that interesting. Just Really? A lot of it has to do with that. With that elimination, it was all about body control. And it was very evident that Cam figured it out much faster than Ashley. Ashley was flailing around. She was trying to do it as a loop versus Cam was like, I'm going to do two at a time. I'm going to run back and forth like I'm in a half pipe and I'm going to hit two and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to go again. And Ashley started panicking and threw her rings because she was trying to get them on. Like once Cam hit two, it was over. Well, Cam figured out, like you said, figured out the movement. And it's touch, go, touch, go, mm-hmm. touch, go. I was impressed myself. I was like, oh, Cam, 
got this momentum going. Because for me, I would have probably tried to swing back and forth. Yeah. Because that seemed, because it was very obvious that you got to do the momentum thing going. Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to, to reach it. Right. Ashley flailing. Ashley is a very emotional player. And so she was mad that she got blindsided to begin with, which is why you can't tell someone they're going in. Right. You got to blindside them. Because if you don't blindside someone, they could try to prepare for something to be different. And that's not what you want to happen. No. You don't want to get in the headspace. I mean, you saw how Josh was in the headspace. And then when the plans changed, he freaked out. Yeah, but Josh is a big, dumb idiot. We've talked about this. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that if, if someone knows it's going to happen to them, you can't do it. Now, was it a good move? Do you think it was a bad move or, for Jay and Teresa long term? Yes. But the thing is, anytime you got to put somebody in, it's a bad move because you're creating an enemy. Right. I don't think it's a terrible move because it helps them stay on the right side of the numbers. And unfortunately this season, the dudes have been doing most of the work. So like these girls are the ones that are sniping at each other. The dudes have been doing most of the work in the competitions. The dudes have been doing most of the work in the competitions. The women are running the social game. Right. But the thing is, is when the, with the women running the social game, it doesn't really matter if Cam's pissed off at you because the only votes Cam can get are Leroy, uh, maybe Casey. Big Brother Alliance. Yeah, like, but that's not but the big brother, right now. But the Big Brother Alliance is also working with Jay. Yeah, but they're not going to put Jay in at risk of... That's what I'm saying. Because of Teresa. So, okay. You yeah. Know. I guess there's not really much... that She got rid of one of her enemies either way. Yeah. Because, like, if she took a shot at Nani, Jay's in trouble because of the Big Brother Alliance. Nah. I think it's actually worse for their game if she puts Nani in because the Big Brother Alliance will cut them. If she puts Nani in against Ashley, yes. If she tries to make the house vote Nani and she goes in there herself. Yeah. No. Oh, no, not at all. Because that's just, oh, it's personal. (laughs) You, like, (laughs) leave it to that. You're like, they just hate each other. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) I, I do want them to go against each other. I do want it to be a hall brawl. <laughs> I mean, you said that, spoiler alert, so fast forward 10 seconds, you don't hear this, there's five hall brawls and we've only seen one. I want to see them in one. That would be, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <sighs> that would be so crazy. Yep. They're so small too. But they're, but they'd fight. They would literally fall. Like, I think they would just start punching each other in the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so, the end of the episode, that's what happens. Uh, then they switch up teams. Uh, Cam decides to stay with Kyle. Does Makes not- all the sense in the world because you want to stay with somebody that has their skull. Second team with Gold Skull. Um, I like the fact that Darrell was like, hey, Cam, you want to be teams? Yeah. And Leroy was like, why are all these dudes looking at my girl? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, Corey's now the rogue agent. So we'll see Which, what happens. Corey and Devin are Black Widows. All their partners go. Yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, but you know we'll see we'll we'll see what happens this coming week. I'm really excited for this next week. I like this season. It's been a very fun season because a lot of them haven't been able to rest on their laurels. Of my alliance is going to carry me through this game. Can rest on their laurels or their Nicoles. Because <laughs> Laurel Stucky. 
Yeah, okay. Anyway, out. so next week it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> so CJ, that was the challenge. You got anything else you want to talk about? So do you watch the Food Network show Beat Bobby Flay? I have seen it. That show is trash. It is trash. Give us some final thoughts, CJ. <laughs> so Beat Bobby Flay, it's a competition show. It's a 30-minute show. It's done in two parts. So the show opens. You get two chefs. They come in. They go head-to-head. Bobby gives them a dish they got to make. They get their pre-allotted time. It's like 30, 40 minutes, whatever. And at the end, two friends of Bobby Flay are the judges, and they pick one dish that they think would have the best shot at beating Bobby Flay. So that person wins. And then there's a second round, and that person goes head-to-head with Bobby Flay. So here's the rub with the show. If you make it to the second round, you challenge Bobby, and you get to pick the dish, which means you get to pick your specialty. Like, if I'm cooking and I'm beating Bobby Flay, I'm making fried chicken. I'm calling my shot. That's my specialty. Kevin, what's your specialty? What are you making if you have to beat Bobby Flay? I am making some macaroni and cheese. All right, so like... That you call your shot. So it's time to face Bobby Flay. And people usually pick stuff that like he doesn't make very often. So like Bobby Flay's specialty is Tex-Mex. So someone would be like, we're going to make an apple pie. Or we're going to make like poached eggs or something, you know, that he doesn't make very often. And Bobby's like, oh, I haven't made that since culinary school. Or I don't have familiarity with that. Or even sometimes like, I don't know what that is. So they get their time and they cook against Bobby Flay. And then they bring in actual food critics for the second round. Because the first round are like, quote unquote, friends of Bobby, of Bobby. But it's like actors and, you know, some Food Network personalities and authors and like just people that are good TV. The second time it's actual judges. And they're like, they serve their dish. And it's like, okay, so the challenge this week was toad in a hole. The challenge this week was banana pudding. The challenge this week for me would have been fried chicken. And then I'll serve it, and they're like, this chicken looks amazing. It tastes so great. It's scrumptious, whatever. And then Bobby will serve, like, fried duck because he's Bobby Flay. And they're like, this isn't fried chicken. He's like, yeah, but it's my take. On fried chicken because it still has a bird in it and it's still fried. It still has all the seasonings and everything like that. Yeah. But isn't it a blind tasting? It's a blind tasting. Is it a blind tasting? Yeah. I don't know. I'm so mad at this show because (laughs) the future wife is the one that likes to watch it. Because I I feel like they like, they like put two plates out there and then you taste it. They're like, "Mm, okay, not quite chicken. But like, here's the other thing. Even if it's a blind tasting, Bobby plates all of his food the same way. So you know which one is Bobby Flay. Explain. So everyone has a style for plating. Okay. Like some people are rustic. Some people are neat. If you're doing pastry, some people are fancy and you have all the stuff. All of Bobby's plates look the same. Like he just, he has a plating style. The same way that like a fashion designer, if you're familiar with the fashion designer, you know what their clothes look like. So you're like, oh, that's so-and-so. Um, when you hear certain music, even without hearing the artist, you just know that so-and-so because that's what they sound like. His plates all look the same. If you watch that show, he just has a plating style 
and it's Bobby's plating style, so you know it's his. And every week, he wins. And it's so frustrating that he wins because, like, when the person beats him, they don't get money. You just get the, I was able to beat Bobby Flay. It's not like Iron Chef where you get something out of it. So whenever they do it, it Bobby can serve them literal dog shit. And he wins. And it's always the, well, it wasn't unanimous, but the winner is Bobby Flay. The show is so stupid. I hate the show. And the worst part is, it's like the Food Network Thursday anchor show. So they show it for hours. Yeah, that's the only problem with the Food Network is that that guy, the grocery games, I don't need to see the same thing over and over. Yeah, so like they have their anchor show. So like Wednesday is guys grocery games from like noon to midnight. Beat Bobby Flay is the Thursday anchor show. Tuesday is that Alex Gornicelli show and she's not, I think she's trash. Person. She's not a great host, but yes, yeah, it well, it's well, I'm a not even impressed with her as an Iron Chef. She's an Iron Chef, but I've yeah. seen her lose multiple times in multiple competitions. Yeah, get out of here, miss me with that mess. So Tuesday, it's it's either Supermarket Stakeout, which is her show, or Chopped. Monday, it's Chopped and Chopped Sweets, and then it's like Kid Baking Championship. I wa- I watch Food Network. I'm here for the competition. Beat Bobby Flay is trash. I don't care about beating Bobby Flay, and I won't. Be trying to beat him ever in life. Yes, that show is trash. They need to cancel it. Bring back Alden Brown and Cutthroat Kitchen. You know what I'm saying? I love Cutthroat yeah, Kitchen. Give me that. Yeah, it's like guys' grocery games, except better. So, CJ, that was a great rant about <laughs> Bobby Flay. Trash. Uh, this just came across my desk real fast as we were finishing up here. Um, it was a post from Leo Rush. Okay. He said, um, I'm going to read it to you. April 2020, I was let go of my dream job with WWE during the beginning of the pandemic with no real hope of what was next for me in my career. Mm -hmm. A few weeks later, I was presented with the opportunity of a lifetime by MTV that was to compete on television for a million dollars. I've always had dreams of becoming a reality TV star, so that was cool, too. I was so excited for this unlike anything else. This was hands down the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. This was a fresh start and a new beginning for me and my family in a new world. Unexpectedly, I noticed that I've never been so vulnerable until this experience in the house. But this is what I've been wanting. So afraid to open up, forced to grow up very fast at a young age due to circumstances in my childhood. And during that time, I've made mistakes in my life because what kid doesn't? I've experienced so much growth from that experience. I was made to be the villain a few years ago, and it was heartbreaking. I want to stand before you today as a hero. A hero to anyone out there that suffers from depression, anxiety, PTSD, or any mental illness. A hero to the boys and girls who look like me. I came into the house knowing that it'll be a challenge for me mentally on top of the challenge itself. To my challenge fans and to all of the dope people in the house, thank you for helping me grow. I didn't walk away with a million dollars, but I walked away with something far much greater that I wasn't expecting. I love you and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you all for the incredible memories. I promise I'll be back one day, but for now it's time for me to get ready for my little one to come into this world and be here for my beautiful wife during our pregnancy. Thank you, MTV. With hearing that. It's well said. You think he'd be back? I think the way that TJ was very respectful about him leaving, like usually when people quit, he roasts them and they don't come back. 
the way that he spoke about him leaving, I think the door is open if Leo wants to come back. And I also love the fact that they put a little thing on the TV about uh, mental health and Cam talking about mental health, especially in our community. Yes. Because we don't talk a lot about mental health in our community. Correct. And so the fact that they did was, I think, awesome. Yep. I really like that. I'm glad we could end on that like positive thing. Yeah. CJ, you got anything you want to promote? Take care of your mental health. Um, find him at Keyboard Sarcasm. Find me at KG Fury. Yeah. Follow the Fury Podcast Network. Shouts to Leo Rush, man. Shouts to Leo Rush. Thanks for. I'm glad you were able to take care of yourself. And shame on Bobby Flay. <laughs> shame on Bobby Flay. That uh, route. Peace. Bye.